Hello friends, this is Nathan Powell. I co-host a brand new podcast called Dynasty Double Take with Dan Sanyo. We join the DLF family of podcasts with unique Dynasty arguments in a short 10-12 to minute format. Dan and I love to debate Dynasty and we hope you enjoy our banter as we discuss topics like trade offers, coaching, draft capital, and much, much more. Hello and welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads podcast. My name is Peter Howard, at PA Howdy on Twitter. I write for Dynasty League Football and this is a DLF family podcast. I'm trying to get this introduction done quickly because me and Stepmom Lauren, at Stepmom Lauren on Twitter, got into uh, an hour-long conversation. I kind of love all of it because we spent most of it talking over each other and arguing. And that's a lot of fun, or is my opinion. And uh, anyway, but uh, something she forgot to mention while she was on the podcast is that her and Leap of Faith, at Leap of Faith, at FF underscore Leap of Faith, actually, um, are taking over the Club Fantasy FFL podcast for the month of August to feature women in fantasy football commentating, analysis, what, whatever whatever it is that we do. And uh, so I want to put that here in the introduction. Thanks very much, and I uh, hope you enjoyed the conversation. I, I really did. Seriously, uh, this was a good one. Thanks. Bye. How do podcasts start? I forget. Uh, Lauren, Stepmom Lauren on Twitter, welcome back. Uh, you recently joined the World O World team, so I immediately asked you to come out here to get some clout, basically. Uh, this is a clout chase episode. How you doing, Lauren? I'm good. <laughs> I'm good, yes. Clout chasing. That's, that's you know, where I go, clout follows. I don't, that's, I, I don't know if that's accurate. <laughs> well, exactly. I hope you brought all of it because uh, we need it. Um, so you just dropped your first article for Roto World about offensive lines, which is interesting because, mm-hmm. you know, I once wrote an article about how offensive lines don't matter. So I'm wondering why you wasted all your time writing about things that I've obviously proven don't, don't matter anymore. I think that's how we roll, Peter. Like where where you yin, <laughs> I yang. Like you zag, I zag. You know, that's that's kind of that's kind of how we roll. But it was it was interesting. It was an it was an interesting metric or a measurable is what I call it in the article. I also use big words in the introduction and I really should be like no no I guess pun intended, like sitting in an like an English high tea room being all philosophical and deep is what the first couple <laughs> introductory paragraphs sound like. But Oh, it was no, interesting. you're the, you're the uh, big word user. So, uh, I, I know. What? It was crazy. So your article is basically about um, which offensive lines have improved and what that can tell us about 2020, right? Yeah. So I took, I, I went and looked at, um, Pro Football Focus has a great article. And also Roto World has a great article, too, about con- the continuity in offensive lines, how many starters are returning. And then Pro Football Focus, you know, ranked all of these offensive lines. But they also looked at the most improved offensive lines. So I picked three out of them that had just terrible offenses last year, just garbage. And... um went and saw what they did in the offseason for their offensive lines, what that means for the fantasy players around them, you know, quarterback, wide receiver, running backs, obviously. And what we can, you know, maybe glean, if anything, moving into the 2020 season. It was it was interesting. It was very interesting. I've never really dove that deep into the offensive linemen, but it was it was something I've never done before. So I like I like the challenge. It was good. Um, how did they determine what's a good or what's an improved offensive line? Do you, mean, do you know? I, I, 
I think it had to do, okay, so this is what I got from it. It was the PFF grades. So each right. lineman is given a grade. Um, you have your pass blocking grade, you have your run blocking grade, and then you combine those to get your overall grade. And then there's, you know, tackle guard center. And um, so what I believe that they were, you know, focusing on better or improved were the grades of the actual people that replaced those that were are on gone. the teams, right? Right. So, uh, it was, and the three I looked at were very bad offenses, which were the Browns, <laughs> the Giants, and the Jets, which are like when we're when we're in fantasy, right? When we're we're in our draft, right? And we're like, okay, we we're struggling between maybe two or three guys. You're generally going to lean towards the team that is a better offense as a whole, right? I'd rather take someone on the Kansas City Chiefs than I would maybe someone for the Miami Dolphins. That's no offense to anyone out there who's a Dolphins fan. I'm just you know looking at. Super I'm going to cut the apology out. Else. Don't worry about it. You, um, uh, you, you let I, me I will speak make you there, Mister. Do I need to kill you too and bury you in the garden? Because I make, will. <laughs> that would probably make for a better podcast. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so, Save yeah. the crossroads by killing the host. I like it. You know, um, hey, what that that seems like that needs to be a line. Like that that sounds like it's a book title. <laughs> It's not, like I, I need to write this book. I need to write this book. But yeah, so I don't remember where I was going with that, but you know, it was somewhere exciting. Oh yeah. Looking so at, it's about um, yeah, it's about looking at offense. players that you may not have necessarily been really interested in because they're on crap offenses. Do they look a little bit more enticing now? What is their value? What's their ADP? Is it worth it to take it? Basically. And I'm do I did this full disclosure to justify my love for Le'Veon Bell. That's really That's where this all started. Okay, so New York uh, has improved its offensive line, I'm guessing. Yeah, it's about $40 million into their offensive line. But again, we're going to abbreviate it offseason with this stupid COVID BS. So, you know, good offensive line has to be cohesive. It's hard to do that, create chemistry over a Zoom call. So we'll see. Yeah, <laughs> All um, of this could have been for nothing. <laughs> and it goes to your point a little bit about talking about the continuity of the offensive line, which is something I've been worried about with, you know, the COVID era that we're entering. O-line seem to rely on chemistry because there's so much going on on, so, uh, on every play. And they're such an integral part, if underpaid part, of everything that happens. Like one injury, one three, four-week absence could seriously mess with that. And like you said, you know, we're dealing with an inability to develop chemistry uh, because of the way the season started. But when I looked at it, COVID didn't exist, apparently. So, um, and I used Fantasy Football Outsider ranks. And one of the things I found is that we're bad at predicting what's a good and a bad O-line. Like, we're inconsistent in how well we predict what the best and worst O-lines are. And, and that also, doesn't surprise me either. Yeah. And specifically, like I was looking at the running back position and there is there is a good correlation to production for running backs like in the top three and the bottom three ranked in that season because we're bad at predicting those ranks. But once we've ranked them by the end of the season, like the top three offensive lines tend to have very productive running backs that we like and the bottom three um, offensive lines that we rank or by the end of the season we judge tend to have very bad offensive lines. And what I ended up concluding is we're essentially... Um, there is a there is a connection between whether we think an offensive line is good and the production that we get out of it. And there's no real way of a saying that we can predict where the production is coming from because of the O-line, if you know what I mean. And in the middle there, we have plenty of good running backs. Like over the years, we've had plenty of top five running backs with like bottom graded offensive lines. And that's why only the top three and the bottom three matter. Um, so... I don't know. I don't know how that connects. I just wanted to mention that I wrote an article once too, Laura. Uh, 
Um, but no, you mentioned Cleveland, and Cleveland's kind of a post-hype sleeper candidate in and of itself because we were so high on them last season. Did you find a lot of reasons to be ex extra especially happy with Nick Chubb? I did. Actually, I did. Um, combining what we all know about Kevin Stefanski, although he's still very coy about who's going to be calling the plays, right? He hasn't really said who's doing it yet. So I would be surprised if he doesn't. Let's just put it that way. But yeah, I am excited about Chubb. The pieces they have there to protect him, I am, because they're also trying to protect Baker Mayfield too. But I don't really see this as being a, a hugely, you know, volume heavy offense, despite all of the mouths there are to feed in the pass catching you know, core, if you will, including Kareem Hunt. But I like Hunt and I like Chubb a lot. And I like Chubb even more now because of that. But I mean, Baker Mayfield scares me. So really, this just kind of helps me with whether or not I want to take a shot on Chubb. So I know a lot of people are fading him because of Kareem Hunt. I'm not so sure that I buy into that. But I wouldn't be surprised if it happened. But yeah, the Browns were the Browns were interesting. They it, it kind of neither confirmed nor denied what I was looking <laughs> for for the wide receivers. Like I still don't know what to do with OBJ. I still don't know what to do with Jarvis Landry. I'm not sure what is going to happen in that offense with the pass catchers. But I do know that I think Nick Chubb has the most opportunity to have success along with Kareem Hunt. So those are the two that I like. So it did kind of solidify that. I'm still very tepid when it comes to the wide receivers and Austin Hooper. God, listen to me like pulling out these words. I need to be tired and have sinus problems more often. <laughs> exactly. I really don't like recording this early in the day. I'm not <laughs> nearly, um, what's the word? Trolly enough, I guess. <laughs> um, I'm, not, I'm not in full. You're not cantankerous but, enough to start yeah, fights. I can start a fight if you want. I'm not cantankerous. You need enough. a haircut. I'm like, that's a nice point, Lauren. That's interesting. <laughs> um, I've needed a haircut for less like 30 years. So I don't hold my breath. Um, no, I need a haircut too. My hair's like two and a half feet long. My husband always laughs because he's like, you spend more money on your dog's grooming than you do on your own hair. I'm like, that's true. Like, I spend maybe $30 a year on my hair. It's just. Yeah, but I can get away with it. Can you, Peter? I, I, I don't know. So far, I'm still alive, and I've done nothing with it for 30-odd years. So, yeah. <laughs> true. Um, I know it's time to ask my wife to literally just cut it all off when three out of four people I meet every day tell me. Like, that's like, wow, what's going on with your hair? Oh, it's time for a haircut. Okay. Yeah, well, um, there you go. Like, that's how I'm aware of it. Um <laughs> You kind of look like you would be Ryan Fitzpatrick's like weird cousin. That's what I'm aiming for. Actually, I, I was like, one day man. I hope to be Ryan Fitzpatrick's weird cousin or mistaken <laughs> for at least. You know, that's my goal. Um, New York, though, I'm really interested in New York because there's a wide receiver rookie on that depth chart that I thought was really productive in college. That's Denzel Mims. He's getting yes. the full, this isn't going to happen treatment this offseason, which kind of sucks. But what did you find out about them? Did you justify your Le'Veon Bell look? I did. I did. So that did. is my favorite. <laughs> of course I did. I would have found it anyway, but I, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but that's my favorite. Um, that's my favorite upgrade is the, is the jets. Um, they added pieces that are incredibly athletic. Uh, they can tackle in space. Um, that really says a lot to me on how they're going to use Le'Veon Bell, how Adam Gase plans to use Le'Veon Bell. I say this with quotations because who the hell knows with that guy. Um, but adding <laughs> Frank Gore in there yeah, is that, yeah, who, who, who knows? But on paper, this is what it looks like. So um, I really do like Mims. I don't know if 2020 is going to be his year with the offseason, with everything that's been said. Um, plus, he's a rookie. 
And Chris Herndon is also coming back too. That's a tight end that Sam Darnold had a ton of chemistry with in 2018. In fact, I think he had five touchdowns. Um, he went to the Pro Bowl as a rookie tight end. Like what? Crazy. But he's back. So I'm wondering how much is going to affect that young rookie, who I like as well. I really like Mims too. But I know Robbie Anderson is gone. They have, I think, the third most vacated targets in the NFL. But there's a lot of history that says when there's a lot of vacated targets, it doesn't necessarily go to the wide receivers. It's the running backs, pass-catching running backs, that get a big chunk of those vacated targets. Ergo, Le'Veon Bell. Um, so, yeah, I like that. I, I like Mims. I hope that he does have a good year because I would like to see him be successful, especially in Dynasty. See, I'm actually in two Dynasty leagues this year. Peter, you would be proud. I had to check. Crowder's still in New York. It's someone that was, yeah. like, I was thinking so about it's earlier Brashad, today. He's Brashad Perryman, Jamison Crowder, Denzel Mims, Chris Herndon, Le'Veon Bell, Frank Gore. Am I missing someone? Yeah, I'm not really concerned with the idea that, you know, running backs again are going to go all the passes or anything like that, because I, re I really think targets are a product of the player. I do think Mims is coming in with a lot to learn. Um, mm -hmm. I believe that from the, I guess we'd call it tape evaluation, but it's not like you see rawness on tape. So much people that, uh, more than people that pay attention to college more than I do, they're saying he's kind of raw. But as a raw player, he was incredibly dominant on an offense. And I think that's what a clearest indication of talent is. But yeah, first year rookies are uh, kind of suck. But I'm hoping he can hit that 10% target share threshold again, where I'm not dividing it up based on, you know, it's all going to go to running backs. Chris Hernan, is he really coming back, though? It seems like that's been a myth now for about 27 straight weeks. Chris Herndon's <laughs> going to be healthy and play next week. I know, and, right? Uh, feeling a little like Charlie Brown on Hernan. And like you said, he was great. He was very impressive as a rookie tight end. Um, so if he can get back on the field, great. But again, you know, if these players get on the field and play well, then I think they help each other. Because Oh, yeah. But the main problem I have with the Jets I guess you can just boil it down to a coaching narrative, which I know you're pedaling pretty hard there, unless it's Le'Veon Bell, apparently. Um, but uh, So wrong, like, I know. <laughs> like Nothing they're doing makes sense to me in terms no. of that's not what you'd do if you were a good offense. That doesn't sound right. You're not even using your rookie in practice to see what he's any good at? Okay. Um, I don't know about any of this stuff. Um, the Jets as a team worry me, but I'm a little interested in a few of their players. Le'Veon Bell's another good example are you going heavy running back though this year is it are you one of the uh running backs or bust until the 10th round oh Crowd? no um it's really gonna depend. hard to pick up if you go really heavy running backs he's he's dropping a little bit right so it's really gonna depend on where i'm drafting from right so if it's if i'm drafting if like in a 12 person league right if i'm drafting between the first and the sixth round i'm not gonna play it cute i'm gonna go for one of those top five rbs top six rbs uh, maybe at the sixth round, I might hesitate just to pick up a running back. But if I'm going towards the back half, um, I'm really looking at a stud wide receiver there because, again, I like Le'Veon Bell. I also like Todd Gurley. I know that's not popular at all. Don't care. I also like David Johnson, another one that's not popular. Don't care. Yeah, I like these guys. So Hanging out in the, what, fifth round or so? Yeah, so between the third and the fifth round. So if I you know want to put my money where my mouth is, which I have in several leagues, and go ahead and say I don't mind having David Johnson as my RB1 or Todd Gurley as my RB1, I'll be spicy. I'll do it. It's risky. Don't, don't get me wrong. I, it is risky, okay? 
But, you know, my advice is to say, get a stud RB and then have one of those guys as your RB2 or flex. But I am okay taking the risk on those for my team personally. So I would go like Julio Jones and like Tyreek Hill and then hit David Johnson and then Le'Veon Bell or Todd Gurley right after that. Um, that's kind of what I'm looking at, but towards the beginning, it doesn't really work out that well. I'd have to probably go running back, um, stud running back, then maybe pick up a, uh, a wide receiver one. I'm Chris Godwin. Hopefully if he would fall to at the right place and then pick up David Johnson, something like that is what I've been experimenting with mock drafts. And in my real drafts, I've actually been fortunate enough to be drafting towards the back of the back of the line. So I've been able to kind of use this to come to fruition. So that means that if I'm not at least semi-correct on some of these guys that I've been hyping up in the offseason, I am screwed in my fantasy football teams. <laughs> so <Right>. there's that. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm living up to what I've been writing about, just so y'all know. It's interesting that you should mention that that era of running backs, because there's one guy that fits in there in that fifth, fifth round Whereas if you don't go, if you find a wide receiver value, you end up looking at one of those guys, Le'Veon Bell, Todd Gurley, David Johnson, who I, I'm with you. I kind of like all of those values mm -hmm. right now, especially where I normally find a wide receiver value I like earlier on. And there's but, deep um, wide receiver depth this year too. Yeah. You can get good wide receivers later in the draft. Come on now. They may not be your wide receiver I, one. I don't know how many years people are going to let me get away with this this point and this joke, but it's no deeper. There are 24 of them. There's 24 you of them every what? year. Oh it doesn't God. get you know deeper what? than 24. <laughs> oh, my. Like, that doesn't that – If just I could means... reach through this screen and smack you, I would, but I'm not going to. Are you talking about Chris Carson, no, who's one of those other guys what in that tier? Something that was like that... a witch laugh. I love that. That's me planning on killing you and putting you in my rose garden. Looking forward to it. I'm very alongside tired. your co-host. My flowers look beautiful right now. I could <laughs> use the rest. I'll enjoy being, you know, um, what's the word of use to something that oh, way. Hush. You know, the flowers are getting the benefit. But oh, um, Nick Chubb, you're you're a fan of. I'm a big fan of Chubb. I like his ADP. Mm -hmm. I think he's being drafted at his expectation though, so there's not a lot of value in it. And like you said, right. there is risk with Kareem Hunt. But someone. I've got to stop listening to JJ Zacharyson podcast because I'm driving around thinking I should I I should make this point and then JJ makes it on like one of his nine podcasts that he drops every week. I'm like now I've got to say JJ Zacharyson says it, but he was recently mentioning that David Montgomery in that same range. That's what made me think of it. That David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, he's kind of going in that range. He actually gets a lot of his points in the same way as Nick Chubb. Now mm -hmm. Nick Chubb is more skilled, but because of the limitations, like we mentioned with Kareem Hunt. Um, on that offense and the struggles of the offense last season, David Montgomery mm -hmm. ends up looking like he produces in a similar way. And recently, mainly just to troll um, Blake Hampton, if you know him, uh, he's a big fan of dominator rating in the NFL. Mm -hmm. So I made an expected points dominator rating. Now, Nick Chubb beats out um, David Montgomery significantly. Um, like he's got 65% of the expected points in that offense for that position. And David Johnson got like 48% last year. Um, and I do think Tariq Cohen's going to continue to be not only undervalued, but a part of that offense. Um, but David Johnson's in that range as well. So it's kind of interesting. Uh, I was kind of interested in what you thought of him this season. Um, Especially in Dynasty, because, you know, while I, I think Le'Veon Bell or David Johnson, these guys are better bets. I want them more. But if I'm in Dynasty, you've got, how old is he? I could probably look that up. He's like 24 years old. If he produces at that level where he's being drafted, like he's a dynasty asset, maybe. 
I agree. And I think that he's, I think that Montgomery is more of a dynasty asset than Bell, Gurley, and uh, David Johnson um, for longevity and for durability, I think. Um, I do like David Montgomery. However, because he is going around the same round with other guys I like a little more, I have not really been picking up shares of him. But I have heard the argument that this could be the year of like a pseudo, um, you know, zero RB because of these guys that are available. I don't know if I could go until the sixth round before I pick up my first running back. Like I did a whole series on this for mm-hmm. fantasy pros and I've got another one coming out um, in the next few days, the zero RB strategy. If you're drafting from middle um, early, middle, late positions in your draft, who do you target? And it's not pretty when you get to the sixth round, it's not, it's not super sexy. And if somebody takes, David Montgomery, not at his ADP, which happens all the time in home leagues. These guys reach for them. They may be, you know, from Chicago. They're huge Bears fans. You know, you never know. Then that guy's not available, and your RB1 is going to be like Philip Lindsay or something. He's going much later. That was just a th- name throw out there. But, yeah, it's frightening. But, yeah, because I like other guys a little bit better than Montgomery in redraft, I have not been taking many shares of him, but he's definitely a viable option. Chris Carson is another one that's going, I think, around the fourth or fifth round too, right? Or did his ADP go up? Yeah, he is. Um, I think he's he produces like David Montgomery more so, not because of limitations in the offense, but he's more of a rushing running back, but he's also more talented than David Montgomery. So mm-hmm. it, it's interesting how you scale it. Like Nick Chubb is clearly the better player, which is usually what I focus, which is why I agree you should go so much earlier. But David Montgomery is probably going to put up similar points to a lot of these guys and is younger. So I don't know what happened with that, the Dynasty AP. Tell you what, um, so. I pulled up Dynasty uh, League Football's ADP here because of what we're talking about and something that just jumps off the page for me. I've been meaning to talk to someone about it and who better to talk to about it than you, which is, you know, what I'd say about anything, to be honest. Love you, Lauren. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, no, um, Clyde edwards Miles Sanders, and also Austin Eckler. And if you're not, you know, a fan of Austin Eckler, we, we can't be friends. But oh, um, Which would hurt me deeply. But I've been thinking about all three of them being the same bet. They're, they're the same process. Like Clyde Edwards-Alaire, we know less about because he hasn't played in the NFL, but Miles Sanders, we know a little bit about, and he kind of met, like, not the high expectations we had, but he did enough of it that both are going in the first round. So if you want one or the other, you basically have to draft them in that first round. Now, Eckler's dropping into the early second, but all three of them seem like the same process to me. And in fact, they're all physically the same, which is not normally how I prospect players, but they're all a little smaller than, you know, big running back Twitter likes to advocate for. They're all heavy pass catchers. They've all displayed, you know, heavy skill sets, although Clyde Edwards-Lairs only did it in college. And, like, how would you rank those three? Oh, this is so hard. Okay. Ugh. I just oh, I just got done talking about Clyde Edwards Hilaire and I don't know what to do with him. I mean, in Dynasty, obviously that's a no-brainer, but in redraft, what do you do with him? A rookie running back that literally has no competition in an amazing offense, but an abbreviated offseason with Andy Reid. Like, what do you what do you do? I don't know. So I am gonna go ahead and rank them how I think fantasy wise they would go and it's going to, Oh, okay. It's going to be how they finish the year. I think is going to be Austin Eckler, Miles Sanders. No, no, I don't like it. I can't do it. I don't know. I can't do it. it. So (laughs) I love Austin Eckler. I especially like him now that Melvin Gordon is gone. 
He's a Swiss You've got Army to stop knight. with this competition narrative. I've been fighting this fight for years, and the fact my best friends won't even acknowledge. Look, if they're not good enough to beat out their, the the other people on the debt chart, you don't want them. If they're not good enough to do that, you don't want them. That's it. the truth. You don't stop like Austin Eckler if you're worried about the fourth round Joshua Kelly, who was good in college. I'm not worried you, about you who, don't, don't like put words in my mouth, Lair. Peter. If you like him, because the other Damian Williams, the undrafted mega star who's produced like what 700 yards one season, like you don't like him enough. You don't like him enough if you don't like if that those are the reasons that you like him. It's like saying you should take David Montgomery because he's the exact same as Nick Chubb. You recognize as a talent differential, right? There's also a usage differential, too. I mean. Austin well, Eckler yeah, and Melvin Gordon are two completely different players. Surely. I get it, but, you know, different type of skill set. Whatever. I like Austin Eckler a lot. All three have the same and, skill set. Oh, whatever. You're, you're impossible. You're impo- go, sh- go shave your head. Okay, fair enough. And, <laughs> no, I do think it's a simpler, obviously, because it's me, but also a better way to think about it. Like, do you think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire can be a top five running back. And if you don't, then you don't like him where he's going at his age. Yeah, I, I don't know. And so I'm still not going to take him. So I again, I don't know if I finished my sentence before, but I, I've had this <laughs> conversation, which is it happens a lot. Um, I'm not taking Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I'm not. And it's not because I don't think he's talented. I think he is, but I just don't know this year. So I don't want to use a first round draft pick on a guy that I don't feel confident is going to be successful. I don't want to do that. Like that's, no, I, I'm not I'm not into that at all. So the thing with Miles Sanders is I don't I like Miles Sanders. I don't like him enough to take him in the first round. Um, I, don't I, I don't. And and it's not because I don't think he's going to not produce. I think he will. And I think he's going to have a great year, but he's going to be part of a running back by committee. He is not going to be a featured back. Um, if he is, then my bad. But since 2016, when Doug Peterson took over the Eagles, they have not had more than a thousand yard rusher. I mean, Miles Sanders got close, but he's going to make up all of his volume in the passing game as well, which he, he could finish as a top 10 with his passing volume for sure. But he was a lead back for like three games and then they lost all three of those games. So they brought in Boston Scott and he became a thing. Like that's just how that offense goes. But and Boston Scott I still became think what Boston Scott always is on an offense. Yeah, I, I, but, I don't think he, and yeah. I like Miles Sanders. This isn't a this isn't a knock on Miles Sanders. It's just I'm I that's how I see his future in 2020 is part of a running back by committee, a very successful running back by committee, and a very successful part of that committee. But out of all three of those guys, I like Eckler the most. Um, would I take him first round? Maybe not because I think I could grab a stud wide receiver. Like, let's say I'm drafting 11th out of 12. I'm going to grab a stud wide receiver, come right back around, take Austin Eckler in the second. And then once it comes back around into the third, fourth, fifth, then I'm going to go ahead and look at my Le'Veon Bell, Todd Gurley, David Johnson's, which one can I get? Then I might even go snag a a tight end like Mark Andrews if he's still available. If not, then I'm going to look somewhere else. But I mean, it, it, it still just is going to depend on where I'm drafting from, but I, I'm not taking Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in the first. As of now, who knows? Maybe when I'm drafting, I've totally changed my mind. It, it's been known to happen. But as of now, I'm not taking CEH in the first. I am not taking Miles Sanders in the first. The only one I would even think about it would be Austin Eckler. And still then, it's probably the beginning of the second for me if I'm drafting towards the end. So I don't know. 
Yeah, I think all three are fair to put in that range. That, and that's kind of what I mean. Like everyone's complaining or not complaining about Clyde Ebersolaire, but it's the same process that leads us to Sanders. It's the same process that leads us to Eckler. And we are less upset about that because the upside is there and the floor is decent and they're talented and they have an interesting skill set that we value. So, yeah, I, I don't disagree with any of their ADPs. There's just not a lot of value in it. So we don't spend a lot of time talking about it in Dynasty, I guess, or I don't. But um, more running backs jump into the top five on a year-to-year basis from outside the top 36 um, than any other position. I mean, Eckler is a great example of that last season. James White the year before, I think. Or was that this year as well? Maybe it's just always James White. Um, who are your... With your fresh knowledge of offensive lines, is there anyone that you think can come essentially from nowhere to be, or who do you think it's going to be this year? Wow, that is a really good question. Outside of the top 36? Well, you can use whatever threshold you like, but a player that's really not thought of in that way. I mean, Eckler definitely wasn't. James White never is, although he's definitely done it. Um, You know, it happens quite a lot. I don't know. That's a good one. Let me take a look at ADP here. We're talking. We're talking. Redraft is what we're focusing on. PPR. Sure. Okay. Just twenty twenty. All right. Let me let me take a peek here. So I guess Christian McCaffrey's out. <laughs> oh, you know, actually, I don't know. I like Mac Breda a lot. I just don't know about that Miami offense. Let's see who could. Who I've thought of some names that yeah, I don't really agree or disagree with any of these. Just uh, th- running back thirty six. I'm using DLF ADP because they're okay. just really useful. You've got AJ Dillon. He's interesting to some people. Um, he is I still believe in Aaron Jones a little bit more. Zach Moss, who I know a lot of people really like. I just don't enjoy Buffalo players or betting on that. There's Antonio <laughs> Gibson. He's pretty popular. Um. I don't see a top five ceiling. There is James White. Oh, look, here's James White running back. White, he's always there. There right. you go, James White. Just always James White. I think Chase Edmonds might be one of the most interesting. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Kenyon Drake. Um, no, it's not that I'm not a big fan. I just don't see that type of ceiling. Um, and most of his, you know, when he did really well last year, but it was on a shortened sample. And I'm I just. It's not my thing. It's like, it just feels too Lamar Millery. Like, and if he gets more volume, well, he's probably not going to. Because um, that's not what happens. Uh, yeah, teams that's... usually use running backs as a running back one to the extent that they want to. They're not just going to up his workload because. Um, Watch Anthony McFarland just take over in Pittsburgh. I I would, I like the idea. And outside the top 36, why not, right? Whoever falls to you. But right. um, I really think James Connor is uh, kind of underrated this year. I um, do too. It's, it's, I think it's the risk of his durability, though, that people are, you know, kind of fool me once, shame on you type of thing to fool me twice, well, shame on you thrice. I don't yeah, know what it is. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. I just try and fade that stuff because while it's reasonable, like, I don't know if he's going to get injured. I like a lot more people are probably going to go on the injured list this season anyway like it's not something that i can wait heavily and he's been yeah. he's really good when he's on the field you know um not much of a pass catcher but neither's fournette neither's david montgomery who's going a lot higher um <laughs> i have tried to acquire some matt Breida. speaking of wash Miami, i do like matt Breida. yeah he's decent He's good. He's explosive. I like him. I like that he has a completely separate identity from Jordan Howard, and Jordan Howard can't catch the ball. Sorry, Jordan Howard truthers, but it's 
Yeah. No, I, I think John Howard, if he's on the field, he's going to do what he's always done, which is take yes. up a decent share of that rushing percentage. Maybe yeah, get 200 plus yards. touches. Yeah, 200 plus it's touches. Not just, even a question. Uh, and one thing I'm used to emphasize, and I'm just realizing now people have, there, there are some people I haven't told. It's like top 24 running backs, I really think of the death of value. And I really think the death of a fantasy squad. People focus too much running backs because they're top 24 if they have a top 24 ceiling i really don't want them in dynasty if they don't have a higher ceiling than that or proven history of being higher than that like i think you can get quagmire in this area where you've got to start them and they're very valuable but you don't want to trade them because you've got to start them and they don't provide enough of an edge i was looking over um excellent use of quagmire by the way Thank you. I love that word. Um, Vorp the other day, and it's like top 24 running backs don't provide like a significant advantage over, you know, streaming running backs, for example, or taking moonshots. Um, then we tend to think. So we know running back is such a valuable position. I think it gets the top 24 running back ceiling guys get extra value laid on top of them. Um, but anyway, I'm kind of talking around it here. But I do think if you're loading up your squad with top 24 running backs, then they kind of suck. It's kind of one of the reasons I don't like Kenyon Drake. I don't see a top 12 ceiling, and I don't want a top 24 really? running back. That's not what wins me my league. A top 12 hmm. running back, a top 5 running back helps win. A top 24 right. is kind of, if everyone else does worse, sure. Yeah. But, yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah. If Kenyon Drake, I mean, for some reason, I kind of feel like Kenyon Drake and Austin Eckler are going in the same round. Like that's what I've experienced in drafts I've been so far and also some mocks. It's so which one would I rather have Austin Eckler or Kenyon Drake? I don't know. I I like both of them because I do think that Kenyon Drake can finish as a top 12 running back. So I don't necessarily have the same, same idea as you do, but if you don't like him, you don't like him. It's just one of those things about fantasy. You know, it's just don't go with a guy because I said so, you know, go with the guy that you you want to go with because people ask me this all the time when they're talking about starts and sits. Right. And it's like, you know, but they always give me the butt answer. So I, they ask me who they should start. So I tell them who to start. And they're like, well, what about this? Well, what about this? Okay. Well then start them because no matter what, at the end of the day, if you lose your matchup, who would you feel better losing the guy that you started with and believed in, or the guy I told you to start when you wanted to start the other one, but, I'm a quote expert. It's just one of those things. Go with your gut. Like that is, it's a thing. It, it's totally is. And um, yeah, I definitely very much agree with that kind of philosophy. I mean, take all the advice you want, but at the end of the day, the, the, the call has got to be your own. Yes. Um, and don't blame me. I mean, I you can. I don't know why <laughs> you, you like Kenyon Drake so much. I can't figure it out. Um, and it must be because I wasn't, I don't remember 2019 well enough or something, but like, I liked him when he was still in Miami. So I liked him when he was still in Miami. I did a piece on him the year before he was traded to Arizona Cardinals, like halfway through. And I, I said that he could be the secret weapon of your, of your fantasy team. But obviously I didn't know that he was going to get traded and then have this monster second half of his year, but it's because of his talent and it's, he's always been second fiddle, but he has the, uh, potential. He has the talent to be a true RB1. He just really hasn't had a chance to get it. And I don't think it's of any fault of his own. Doesn't, doesn't stop it's, coaching. <laughs> it's coaching. It's no, coaching um, that has put him second no, fiddle. It's so. no, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's not. It's not. It's Adam Gase is one it's of not. them. Come on now. Yeah. I, I, okay. Adam Gase sucks, but it's not. You can't. We can't. He was second fiddle in Miami. Look, it's an Adam Harmstead point. Every time we say a player should get more volume and they don't, but then 
whenever we get an example of them doing it, actually getting more volume, like Lamar Miller, and um, since talking about Miami, it's a great example. All they need to do is feed Lamar Miller. We all, including me, thought he could do better with that. But I what didn't. it turns out is that he can't do it. He can't handle it. That's not the kind of player it was. And even a team as badly managed as Miami was using him a lot more effectively to give him less touches. So we're getting more out of him. Um, typically, we should be less inclined to believe that we know the usage a player should get than the team does. And Drake has been second fiddle primarily because they get more out of him by doing that. Even when he went to Arizona, like Chase Edmonds got 30% of the expected points um, last year on that team. He got 40%, 42%. That's great. It's, and But I think his value suck is gone. Like I like Kenyon Drake when he was drafted. And a little What's while his ADP after. now? When he's been drafted outside the top 24, but he's not. He, he's really high. That's the thing, if I remember right. In Dynasty, again, because that's what I've got pulled up, he's been drafted as running back 17. That's kind of where I would expect his median to be. You know, I, I think that's fire, but I don't think you have the top 12 upside. I'm not paying for a guy who people think can be a top 12 guy who's never shown the potential. He's never earned that role. It, even in Arizona... Like I say, Chase Edmonds was sucking up 30% of the workload when they were focusing Kenyon Drake. I, ju I just don't see it. Um, so did he he's never he display the ability to take up that much workload? And I, I'm learning to trust team usage a little more than I used to, especially at running back. I mean, I, I get it. I get it. But my whole thing is, okay, so one of the things I love about the fantasy footballers um, ultimate draft kit is they've got even, not even the ultimate draft kit, but like they have these consistency charts. They're he unbelievable. So he, um, he was traded in week seven, right? He started in Arizona week seven. Something is that like right? That, yeah. yeah. So basically from week seven on, he had, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six finishes within top 24. Uh, one, two, three of those were an RB1 finish. Um, yeah, one. so he finished 20, uh, RB23, then RB2, 23, RB1, RB2, and then RB16. So he did He did really well in, in that offense. And there's really nothing – what's changed in that offense to make me think he is going to do worse this coming year? Now, I get what you're yeah, saying. You don't want to draft him because this is top 24. But – I think in a new offense that he didn't have a lot of time to have, you know, off season, even if it's just zoom calls or whatever, to get to know the offense, he still was this productive immediately following his trade. What's keeping him from doing better, I guess, besides just himself. Well, I mean, that, there's that. There. You're like, nothing's changed. So why can't it get better? Well, why won't it stay the same? It could stay the same, but there, it, it could get better. And I think that's where people, I think that's where people are drafting it should stay the same as my point. And he's shown no capability to increase it in and of himself. You know, I don't know. Kenyon I think Drake's on the team. We've got to focus the running back position more. Give him, you know, 200. I don't think so, man. Points. Like, he's never done that. So why would I think it De DeAndre Hopkins said that offense changes a lot of things. Kyler Murray is going to be better this year, too. So there are changes that have happened in his favor that make him very enticing. So it makes sense to me that people want to draft him as high. But like we were saying before, I'm willing to take risk like David Johnson. I'm willing to take on that risk. You have to be willing to take on the risk that Kenyon Drake is going to bust and he is going to finish as a top 24, not as a top 10 
that that is just something you have to be aware of because I think be you're right. To do that. Risk- Lauren, stop stop telling people that. That's horrible. You don't have to be willing to risk Kenyon Drake. Screw that. Then, I'm not then doing- draft him. There is risk associated with it is what I'm saying. So if you're not willing to take that risk, be honest with yourself because it is a possibility he could finish outside the top 24 uh, or just within the top 24, which isn't good enough at his ADP. That means he's underperforming his average draft position. So, I mean, I think, I think I'm agreeing with you and now you're saying no, don't agree with me yeah basically yeah no, yeah um, are. but he's being drafted around players who have clearly demonstrated that ability he's been drafted right next to aaron jones he's been drafted right next to leonard fournette he's been la- drafted right next to cam acres who has at least a college production to back up that ceiling which ken and drake never did so you're literally paying for it to happen. And if it doesn't happen, that's what I want to Give I mean me Kenyon Drake over all of those guys any day. No. Any day. I'll take Kenyon Drake over Leonard guys. Fournette. I will take Kenyon Drake over, yeah. over Cam Akers. That's like you saying. You trying to tell me who's giving me the RB1 the in LA. Who's never shown he can do it over the guys who have shown they can do it. And that's. Cam Akers that's hasn't shown shit in the NFL. No, no. At but least, has, at least, Kenyon Drake has half of a season college. with the team that Something I can Kenyon say. Hey, Drake never did. Well, he did it in the NFL with he Arizona. Capital. I would that. so much rather have Kenyon Drake than Leonard Fournette or Cam Akers. Give me, Why? give me. But I just told you. No, you, you have to accept there's a risk he can bust. You didn't give any reasons why you should take him over any of those guys. You just said you have to accept it, which is... Well, it, so I, I don't, don't know his that. ADP. I, are we talking dynasty ADP or are we talking redraft? I'm looking at dynasty league football. Okay, ADP because I've seen Kenyon Drake go much higher. So that's why I was like, wait a minute, he's getting drafted with Cam Akers and Leonard Fournette? That makes no sense because I've seen him go way, way higher than those two, which I agree with. I would I would take it. Point. No, no. That's like yes. saying I'm going to bet that, you know, C.D. Lamb is going to outproduce Hopkins. Like, good for you, but that's not what you should do with your value or your picks no. or your hope for 2020. Like, you can hope no. that, but you take him after because he's Did much you take less your likely drama to pills do it. today. Peter took his drama pills today. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Super and, dramatic. But, like, oh my gosh, no. I, I like his potential. I like what he's been able to do. I think that it is an improvement for him in the offseason. I think it's an improvement for him in the offseason. I think he's going to do just fine. But there is, like you said, there is because he hasn't no, played no that RB1 for a long period of time. He will be strongly outproducing anything we could expect for him to pay off, especially at that redraft ADP you were talking about. That would be wild. Watch that, it happen. That's, not drama. that's how you kill a team. That's how you kill a draft. Well, then don't do it. it. I'm not don't do doing it. it, Lauren. I'm trying, <laughs> I'm trying to get you not to do it. Stop it. You don't tell me what to do, Peter. I tell, I'm telling you what to do. You I'm can try. It. I won't. I, I won't. I won't care. I mean, I'll, I'll listen, but I won't care. Sounds like you care. Like I'll be that. like, yeah, this guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, he's going above James Conner. Darius Geis is still in here. This is clearly not updated. Yeah, Darius Geis is still in a lot of places. Yeah, he shouldn't be. That's bad. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, Fade, Kenyon, Drake, we're of one mind. Great. Um, <laughs> who's your favorite rookie this year? I, oh. I guess that's how we'll try and get you out of here. Because I, I had Jacob Rickroad on, and you know he, you know, proved how terrible it is to bet on rookies. But I'm still writing that you know one wide receiver a year basically does it, and I like those guys. So uh, it doesn't have to be a wide receiver, but 
Yeah, well, the rookie favorite. I think that's going uh, the rookie I think that's going to be the most productive is going to be Clyde Edwards-Helaire. But uh, wide receivers, there's two that I'm not that I like. So I think Justin Jefferson has a shot at making a splash. But I like Jerry Judy in Denver as well. So those two I've got my eye on. I'm not sure which one I like more than the other, but I like those two. I'm kind of starting to hate Jer- Jerry Judy. Why? He- he doesn't fit into what I like. I've got no reason to dislike the player. To be real clear on this, um, but I'm just gonna have to start saying I hate him because it's too, it's too middle of the road. Like Jerry Judy was good in college. He's got great draft capital. He's on a team where there's a lot of potential. So if you like Jerry Judy, don't let me talk you out of it. But Cortland Sutton has been amazing on that offense. Oh yeah, uh, through year one and two. So he's one to me. I don't yeah, see any I, reason to expect that from him. Hundred percent agree. So. Yeah. You know, that really limits uh, my hopes for Jerry Judy. And frankly, KJ Hamler chasing him up for the rear is just a demon on the outside. Even if he doesn't blossom into what I hope he can, his, some of his profile suggests he could be. I mean, he's hampered by, you know, the fact Colin Sutton's there as well, or Noah Fant as well. But you kind of don't have to worry about it based on his price, right? Whereas Jerry Judy, and all the reason in the world to based on the player, but the but there's no one he can co-opt. Like, uh, Colin Sutton's getting 22% of the, that receiving offense, you know? Um, and from there, you're like, well, maybe Drew Locke can be as good as, to stay reasonable, Jared Goff. But Jared Goff had an amazing coach helping him out. Uh, I don't I don't see it. And so it kind of puts me on the hate and Jerry Judy list. See, I like Jerry Judy because he has cemented himself as a slot wide receiver. I mean, that's his identity. Uh, Cortland Sutton, I understand, is definitely going to be the one. I'm not arguing that whatsoever. But I think that Jerry Judy can make an impact as a wide receiver, too. Um, and I like that he has that opportunity there. Um, it, it it makes perfect sense to me. I, I, I can't wait to watch it. I'm a Drew Locke fan. I went to Mizzou. I, I watched Drew Locke all the time. Boy's crazy, but he's also very, very fun to watch. Um, I'm starting so, to think I have to be a Drew Locke fan. You're um, Stumpy, Stumpy the Bear is another yeah. one who likes Drew Locke, and he liked Lamar Jackson last year before anyone else as well. So that's, yeah, I've been on the Drew Locke train for a while. People think I'm crazy, but you know what? I don't really care. So I like Jerry Judy's opportunity, but I'm not trying to say he's going to overtake Cortland Sutton. I, speaking of Cortland Sutton, I've got my eye on him in every single draft I'm in. I make sure I ha- I reach for Cortland Sutton because I don't want anyone else to have him. <laughs> like, I just I can't. I yeah, love I him so much. One. I, I don't understand why we're so muted on him. He's been as impressive as DJ Moore. I'm not. And, I'm and loud and obnoxious. Got- Try to mm-hmm. mute this mug. Ain't working. Um. But yeah, I mean, you know, Mike Evans and Chris Goldman. Maybe yeah. maybe that's the path we're looking at it for those two. But I can't. I love Colin Sutton, but seeing top twelve, you cannot, I mean, another top twelve is just. You different. can look at it as an Antonio Brown, Juju Smith Schuster, or a Deontay Johnson, Juju Smith Schuster. Um, like for example, in 2018, I know this is not the same team, but I'm just giving you an example of another team that has successfully fostered two fantasy relevant wide receivers. That's so in 2000, year, in 2018. Um, ben Roethlisberger had, I think, led the league in pass attempts, and 65% of his pass attempts were to the wide receiver position. So only a 3%, I'm, 0.3%, excuse me, 0.3% difference between the wide receiver one and the wide receiver two, which was around 249 and 246 percent 
of those wider of the targets and the wide receiver three got like nothing. But um, I'm just saying there there is a world where two wide receivers can can do really well. Now, is Drew Locke going to be able to do that? We're not sure. We've only seen him play five games. Uh, from what I know of him in college, again, college is not the NFL. I get it. He likes to pass. Now he needs to work on his ac- accuracy. I get it. He's young. But there's a lot of pieces around them that really make that offense enticing, especially in Dynasty. But it is very, very enticing. And I'm excited to watch this Denver team. I'm excited to see how they grow. So I'm really excited. And Drew Locke's a fast team. learner. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see how that plays out for a lot of reasons. Like, um, again, Jacob Ricker was on recently and he was saying how, you know, four teams a year produce two top 24, at least assets, especially if you include tight ends. So, um, so what four would they be this year? I wonder, because I, I, yeah, I'm putting Steelers question. on that list. Which brings me back to um, like one thing you'd, I am starting to agree with and you do have to believe in the quarterback a little bit. Now, where I disagree with Jacob is it can, that can be Andy Dalton. That can be Jared Goff. It doesn't have to be. Aaron Rodgers, in my opinion. So I think Drew Locke... Well, they don't have a wide receiver, too, so there's that. But it is also dangerous to see the potential because, you know, I don't like the idea of chasing assets in bad situations, and I don't like the idea of chasing asset or skill position players because of the quarterback. So, and because there's such a question around Drew Locke, it's hard to know which way it goes. It is, yeah. Which way we're going, which is why 2020 would... and probably still is going to be really interesting from that perspective, even if everything has an asterisk on it. And it, re- it reminds like me, it, it. and it reminds me of the Bengals, you know, Joe Burrow is a brand new, you know, brand new quarterback. And I really like Tyler Boyd and I like AG green. I like that wide receiver right. one wide receiver two. There's T Higgins there too. Right. So I th- think it's- Pittsburgh's uh, leading favorite Atlanta as well. Those two yeah. have got to be easy favorites. Yes. So that there's a couple teams that it, it's yeah. totally possible who, Who's to say Denver can't be one of them? I'm curious. But yeah, Cortland Sutton is is definitely the wide receiver one. He can make magic happen. It doesn't matter who's throwing him the ball. My, you know, four-pound Pomeranian can chuck something at him. He'd be like, whoop, touchdown. That's how good he is. Um, Anyway, because of the uncertainty in the demo situation, what I do is I go to the average and then say, if I like Noah Fant, and I do, I like Fant and Hawkinson as the most likely breakout tight ends this year, probably uh, just because those are the ones that break out most often just in terms of career year, draft capital, athleticism and everything else. Mm-hmm. I know everyone wants to bet on something different like Tyler Higby, but like those are the two that are most likely to do it. Um, so I, I go to the average and there I say, it's not going to be two top 24 wide receivers. It's going to be Cortland Sutton and a tight end that can happen a lot more often with an Andy Dalton or below quarterback. And so that to me is more likely um, with you know, I don't know. Hamler putting in a good Andy Isabella high efficiency, low volume season, maybe. I think I think Jerry Judy is better than Noah Fant. It's hard to judge wide receiver to wide receiver. Wide receiver tight end is entirely different, but it is. Look, Noah Fant. I'm not high on Noah Fant player. this year, though. He's really athletic. He's going into the most common breakout year for a tight end. He's got all the draft capital. He did nothing in his first season to suggest that he's not on a good arc for a tight end in that position. So it's not even about whether I think he's better. He's he's just more primed, you know. He's mm. shown us he's hit he's ticked all the boxes. And Jerry Judy, if he ticks all the boxes, he'll have ten percent of the target share and a four hundred yards, and that's what we should expect roughly for a good wide receiver his first year. And I think he might struggle if Fant is actually good this season. If Cortland Sutton will be good this season. Mm-hmm. And unless we can expect, you know, 
above the Jared Goff meridian. It's really hard for me to fit Jerry Judy in there, but maybe that's why I'm wrong. Maybe that, because there is, like you say, there's four teams a year that do it. It could all happen. And that will mean Drew Locke is definitely going to explode because you can't have that many skill position players going off with, without, you know, putting up pretty good passing numbers. Right. Um, Justin Jefferson, I completely ignore there, but he's one of my favorite rookies in this class. Talking about <laughs> it was kind of the softball, though. A lot of us are, are pretty excited about Justin Jefferson, but you know, he's I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be too obvious. You know, I wanted to kind of take you know, something a little different. I appreciate that. Isn't that what the kids are saying? That's isn't that lit? Obvi? I appreciate using my trademark term obvious. I don't think anyone says that, but <laughs> I don't think anyone does. <laughs> I'm just trying to sound like I know what the kids are saying, and I have no idea. I'm no, I. I clearly have no idea what the kids are saying. I use words like ubiquitous. I didn't know what the kids were saying when I was a kid. Justin Jefferson, <laughs> the polar opposite of a lot of plays. He's getting nothing but bad reviews coming out of camp. Really? And where I ignore them, I don't care. But I know you're a, you're a big off-season news coach narrative type person. So well, I mean, that's I've a, seen a that's lot a of little... he's not, get, not getting first-team reps or anything. Have you? Am I wrong? Or I you... haven't heard S about Justin Jefferson, to be oh, totally honest. I haven't 100%. I mean, I have Inside Training Camp Live that I have on. I mean, I kind of peruse through um, right. some of the headlines and stuff. But Come on, man. I, you work for Roto World, man. You meant to, like... I do. I, I do. I just published my first article for Roto World. Thank you very much, like we talked about at the top of the segment. But I don't... And it's not that the information isn't there. It's not that I don't enjoy listening to it. I just think that it is so much friggin' hype. So I don't know or yeah, like to work. weed through what all of... Especially with, like, very limited accessibility to these players. Like, who... Who's really telling the truth here? So I don't know. But well, to I that really... point, why you should ignore off-season news. Here's Roto World, of which Lauren is now a member and should really check that out in that new article. <laughs> and 9 a.m. on the 21st, Justin Jefferson is a clear number three option behind Adam Thielen. Oh, that's where BC Johnson is. I knew he was somewhere. Um, and then at 6 p.m. that same day, that evening, Justin Jefferson has distanced himself from the rest of the Vikings receiver. So they're basically saying polar opposites. So, yeah. Yeah. That's, I, I, that's why I don't I don't necessarily give it a lot of credence. I'll peruse it and just kind of see what's going on. You well, know, for, in, for example, like for injuries, sure. like injuries and COVID and, and all that kind of stuff is the stuff that I'm really looking out for. But this is this is narratives. This is coach speak. And I get there's there's something to it. There's just not enough for me to right now say like, oh, I'm out on Justin Jefferson or I'm totally in on Justin Jefferson. I like him. I want someone to try to, you know, convince me of this at draft time because right now, Justin Jefferson is going to be a guy I'm taking super late no matter what. So he's a dart throw. He's a flyer for me. Um, So nothing distancing himself or being a wide receiver three is not going to change that. He's the one I like the most. So. Lauren, I would love to talk to you for several more hours, as you know, but it's getting to that hard cutoff time. So it is. Um, I really appreciate you coming on. I always love talking to you. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you for um, having me on again. We need to do it more often. Definitely. Yay. Could you cool. tell us where to find you and everything like that? And then we can get you onto your life, which is obviously more important than me. I love you, Peter. <laughs> I love you. Uh, yeah, you guys can find me um, on social media. I'm way more responsive on Twitter. Y'all just throwing it out there, full disclosure. But it's at Stepmom Lauren, L-A-U-R-E-N. Uh, you can find all of my work on my website, which is stepmomlauren.com. I'm a writer for The Fantasy Footballers. I'm a writer for Fantasy Pros, and I'm now a writer for Roto World. Very exciting. Come say hi. I like talking fantasy football. 
check her out. She'll be your mommy too. She's a stepmom to all. <laughs> um, no, I really appreciate it. Lauren, always have a good time. Thanks very much. Thanks everyone awesome. for listening. Yeah. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the place, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. They got that, I, I like mortar. Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore. I am at a crossroads. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the place, though. He enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the place, though. He enumerates the plays, they're analytical.